are back with another edition of Serie A Sit Down. Yeah, I've got nothing witty to start with. I have really not a witty bone in my body after Milan uh, went and bottled another derby. Uh, I'm Frank Ravello, the host. Uh, this is World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. And with me, as always, is co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, how are we doing on this uh, Monday evening? Uh, it's you know the nice thing about Monday is that it's only a day. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, you know, better than uh, better than uh, Ricardo Rodriguez at the moment. Better than Lucas Bilia. Better than uh, well, just about everybody that wore red and black on Saturday. Um, I guess that's how I'm doing. How about you? Ah, uh, you know, I went through a, a, a swing of uh, emotions throughout the weekend. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm doing okay right now. I got a nice uh, chimay, trying to uh, calm the calm the the angst of this weekend and uh hoping to have a really fun podcast with uh, our guest chimay huh you're drinking uh you get i'm going hard tonight that's not hard, hard. That's he's like, going that... belgian he's oh belgian yeah Sno- going lukaku tonight snobbish. going lukaku tonight chimay's chimay's borderline snobbish for for a belgian beer isn't it yeah i'm drinking atlanta beer i'm drinking atlanta beer from our good friends at at uh Orpheus in Atlanta, Georgia. What, Shout out to them. What the hell are you doing? I didn't even introduce you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this guy just guy Richard. This guy Richard. This guy just comes on here and starts talking. What is this? I like it. You know, when you win a derby and you get you get you know you get conceded. I I guess. <laughs> these inter guys just they're top of the table. These interisti, they're top of the table. They just start coming in and talking. They don't even give me a chance to introduce them. Let me introduce our guest, who's making his who's earning his second cap with Serie A sit down. Um, he is the uh, author of the Interlegend series on Sempre Intercom and uh, full-time contributor on the Studio Inter podcast. Uh, he's based in South Carolina. We say ciao to Critty Smith. Hey, Critty. Ciao, Frank. Ciao, Richard. It's, uh, <laughs> ciao. It's, a to be, to, it's a pleasure to be with both of you again. And uh, I'm not saying ciao to, 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 to exit. I'm saying ciao to enter because... Let me tell you the worst part about winning the Derby, guys, is that Enter.it floods your mailbox with kit sales. That's the worst part. <laughs> Milan is black and blue, and they want me to buy paraphernalia. That's terrible. I got emails on all three of my accounts. It's, it's just too much to keep up with. It's like you guys with a Scudetto, I guess. Uh, we see, could. I don't, I don't want anyone to know. That's gonna, that, that'll be so many emails, Richard. It's not even going to be funny. I won't even be able to keep up with all the sales. They'll be throwing at me all the uh, 20 euro off coupons. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, a Wisconsin product, by the way, a uh, uh, Nuglerus uh, Brewing Company Spotted Cow, uh, only sold in Wisconsin. Sounds uh, delicious. It's it is fantastic. Uh, it's an it's a uh, it's an ale. It's it's a low alcohol one. Um, that's Dare probably I say probably, utterly fantastic. The hell is wrong with you? Uh, you started <laughs> drinking early, you know. How long have we been doing this? We're already off the rails, you know. <laughs> Haven't even talked any calcio yet, Richard. Four minutes uh, in. Four minutes in. This is crazy. Uh, utterly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We. We. Yeah. We haven't heard that one before in Wisconsin. So. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, nonetheless, let's get into the calcio. I got no other way to segue into that. Um, obviously, the uh, the big match of match week four was Derby del Mediterraneo. Before I jump, you know, let me back up real quick. There are 28 goals this weekend, guys. I count 
12 goals out of these 28 that could be in for goal of the week contention. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what our selections are going to be because it's uh, a lot of good choices. And I kept going back and forth. So every time I saw a goal, I'm like, okay, that could be a goal of the weekend. Oh, that could be a goal of the weekend. So. Yeah, I mean, I just every time it seems like every game that came, every game that passed, you know, a goal got scored that outdid what was going on with the games before. It was just, it was just nuts. So um, I have but, three uh, honorable mentions in mind. That's that's how many goals there were. And I've got, I mean, I've got goalkeeper performances that are honorable oh, yeah. mention as well too. I mean, my goodness, it was a, I mean, it was an enter, a completely entertaining weekend across the board from Sadia. Well done. Um, a, a little bit of a stain with something that we've led with the last couple of podcasts, but we're going to push that down to the game and talk about it. Then I'm not giving these idiots the lead anymore. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the derby. Uh, Richard, take it away for us. Milan and Inter at the San Siro. Yeah, it's one of the biggest derbies in the world. Uh, Milan hosting Inter. And since Milan are hosting, we're going to call it Stadio San Siro in this one. Um, the manager or the referee in this one is Daniela Doveri. Uh, this was an interesting game, you know, leading up to this because, you know, last year, uh, in the second game, you know, Milan were riding a hot streak. Uh, Inter were, were flailing at, the, you know, they're barely, you know, you know, keeping their heads above water. Uh, many people predicted Milan to win, and it's a derby, and, and of course, uh, Milan didn't do anything that great. Inter surprised uh, everyone in that game, um, winning the game in a in fantastic fashion. So in this game, coming into this, Inter are the ones riding the, the hot streak in this one, and Milan are the ones who are flailing around. Uh, so many wondered, would Inter actually you know, continue the domination, or would, would Milan surprise uh, and pull a surprise win? I, I was one of the idiots who picked Milan to win 2-1 to one in this one. Um, so I got my tail between my legs in this one, but uh, uh, let's look at the lineups in this one because uh, it was a, it was a, a interesting choice. We're gonna start with the home squad. Frank um, in goal, obviously uh, Gigi Donnarumma. Uh, backline of Conti making his, his start because of a uh, Calabria with his uh, his red card last week uh, in the, in central midfield or central uh, center backs. I should say the pairing is Muzaki and Romagnoli, and then Ricardo Rodriguez rounding out the back four. In the midfield, you had uh, Frank Kessier, Lucas Bilia, uh, Hakan Chalnolu, and uh, Suzo. And then rounding out the top, you had Liao making his debut, uh, his start debut for Milan in, in, in the derby, no less. And then Christoph Piantic to round it out. So how did you feel about the lineup going into this one? Terrible. Why, why isn't Ishmael Benesser playing over Lucas Bilia? Um This is what you brought him in for. I mean, the best player at a major international tournament can't get a start over a 33-year-old who had one nice season at Lazio, okay? I mean, it's, uh, you know, so so that I didn't like. Uh, Conti, you had to do it because Calabria was out with the with the suspension, getting the red card against Verona. Um, you know, the rest of it, okay, fine. I mean, Leao, How do you feel about Leao was a curious, Leao was a curious start for me. I mean, a guy that you only gave 20 minutes to as a substitute against Udinese, and all of a sudden he earns a start. Um, against Inter. I mean, if you're going to do that, start Rep, go ahead and start Rabbit, choose a better player. Um, you know, so when you look at this, I mean, I, I, I think Giampaolo really overthought this going in, and, and I don't think he picked a good team here. Critty, uh, before I get into the Inter lineup, what, what did you see? Did you see anything that was uh, scary to you or threatening to you when you looked at the Milan lineup before the game? So with what you guys said about Leo, that the I agree with the Ansi Rabich start. I think that uh, obviously he came on 60 minutes too late, uh, to put it in you know simple terms. I do believe uh, just looking at his work with uh, in the World Cup last year in 2018, and of course he's 
one of that uh, one of the three Trident strikers or uh, attackers with Eintracht Frankfurt uh, in the Bundesliga the last couple of seasons. He's been nothing short of fantastic with them. I would have definitely had a little bit more fear had he been in the lineup from the start. When he comes in later, we'll talk about that. Uh, obviously, he's trying to make up for a lot of ground in just a little bit of time. So that one was curious to me as well. I'm super low on Rodriguez since he was at Wolfsburg. I think that was a bad signing that you guys made from the very start. I've never really liked him. Um, not personally. I think he's probably a great guy. He probably plays Xbox and has a lot of fun on FIFA. But uh, as a footballer, not, not very good. <laughs> you know, that him and Chanalulu. Chanalulu offers a lot of long-distance accuracy on shots. But other than that, again, these are two guys in the Bundesliga that were pretty good. I know that Chanalulu had a little bit of a spin there with Leverkusen where he was decent. But you guys signed these guys off of like what I would consider to be at most one season of really good productivity, maybe half a season. Uh, so one Rückrunde, if you will. And I, that whole left side right there for Milan is just, I'm, I'm still puzzled by those signings, still puzzled. They're both starting for this squad. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, like you said, um, talking beforehand, Conti, you know, he's coming off the long injury. So, I mean, I, I was obviously looked at that as a small disadvantage because he's just getting, I mean, he's getting back into playing form, but um, nothing really scared me, no, to answer your question. No, I wasn't really, this, this lineup was a little bit puzzling. Yeah, and you know, I, like Frank, I, when I saw the insertion of Liao, I was uh, I was confused in the beginning. Uh, that that mood changed as the game went on, but in the beginning when I saw that name, I was like, well, well, why is he in the game? He's barely played all season. You know, a couple of names I thought that would play from the beginning, you know, Rebic, as we talked about, uh, obviously Ben Asser, and then even Lucas Paqueta, uh, who's been uh, is more. Uh, he had some. He has a lot of good moments when he's in the game. He he he's he can be an X factor when he's on his game. So. Uh, not seeing those names on the starting lineup kind of you know um, irritated me to, to say the least. Uh, but let's go to a uh, a team that's more playing like a well-oiled machine. Uh, Critty, this is your before you do that. Before you do that, yeah. you, you mentioned in the lead up that they were on a hot streak. So let's look at Inter's hot streak. They've beaten the mighty powerhouses of Udinese, Lecce, and I forget who else they beat, but that was also a minnow. They won at Cagliari, and I, I wouldn't necessarily. At, yeah, well, oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call Cagliari a minnow. But, okay, but they, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not the uh, Napoli Italian Juventus, equivalent yeah. of top six. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not that. And then they go to Czech powerhouse Slavia Prague <laughs> midweek and have to rely on a ninety plus two minute equalizer. No, that that was at San Siro. That wasn't. Oh, that was that, wasn't in Prague. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 you're right. That was at home. Yes, Even worse. thank you, thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Dortmund's going to Prague. I'm sorry. I got the wrong. I got the wrong travel schedule here. I got too many clubs, Frank. I got. Too, <laughs> I got. Too, I'm managing. I'm managing too many clubs here. You're yes, one of those guys. Dortmund's, Dortmund's at Prague. Uh, the next game. So yeah, they host uh, Czech powerhouse Slavia Prague, who were supposed to be just point distribution for Barca, uh, Dortmund, and Inter. And instead, they draw, they get one point, and they have to score late to even salvage that. So, Richard, I'm not on this um, enters on this hot streak train. Hey, they're sitting uh, in first place, and I'm standing by. Understood. Understood. (laughs) But Milan is the first quality side they've beaten so far this season. You may continue, sir. Yeah, well, this is the first Milan's first opportunity to play a a decent squad so far this season. And, uh... 
We'll look at the lineup here. Um, it's Handanovic in goal. No surprise there. Uh, this back three will be the best back three or best defensive lineup in, in Syria at the end of the season. But right now, it's Godin, DeVry, and Skriniar. In the midfield, you had the Ambrosio, Barella, Brozovic, Sensi, and Asamoa. And up top, you had Lukaku and Lauturo Martinez. Um, that's a pretty pretty strong lineup. Obviously, there are maybe some guys on the bench that you'd rather see uh, start. But uh, how was your feeling about the lineup going into this game? Uh, I, I felt really great about it. I like the it's a classic Conti three five two or three one four two, however you want to look at it. Uh, it's uh, a, a very strong back three in Godin, De Bruyne, Skriniar. Uh, that's you know that's right out of Conti's playbook. We all know that. And uh, Lukaku, you know, he's it's it's perfect him being up front. Uh, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of uh, Martinez. Lautaro last season, you know, he was filling in from Mauro Icardi. You, you, he was the sole striker uh it's 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 a very it's a very uh productive midfield i'll say that um it's a strong lineup you're right the surprise of sensi you know uh coming over from sassuolo he's been nothing short of miraculous to, regardless of who the opponents are he's had a fantastic start to uh 2019 2020 uh by far so i mean i think he's by far the best signing so far overall lukaku obviously is goal scoring but sensi has been fantastic uh creating on the ball uh, he's, he's, his, his tenacity is just, he's, he's a ball of energy. So, um, yeah, I think he's, uh, I think Conti got, had, had a very strong lineup going into this match. Yeah, since he's arguably one of the best players in Serie A this season, and he's fit Conti's yeah. system like a glove. So, like a glove, uh, yeah. we've been, we've been talking, you know, nothing but, ad, you know, uh, Great things about Sensi since he's joined them. Uh, he's just done wonderful things week in and week out. So, Frank, um, you know, with this lineup that Conti put out there, it's obviously the he's a lot of guys in the midfield, and Milan know that if they can somehow get past the midfield, they're got, they still got a great defensive uh, backline they need to go against. So, when you saw this lineup from 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 Inter, how, how, were you very worried looking at this, or how how were you feeling you know, going into this? Oh, I was worried. Um, because when you take a look at, I mean, obviously, and I, I, I said last week I was worried. I said I'm, I'm already scared. Of, last Sensi. week's podcast, I said I'm already scared of playing Sensi. Yep. You know, so that's enough. And Brozovic, you know, when we had Nima on last year after the first derby, I think that Brozovic flies under the radar in these. You know, as far as when it's time to give credit to players, you know, I don't think Brozovic gets enough credit for the role he plays in these derbies and the work that he does. You know, and and I think he's a big, big reason why Inter are able to impose themselves in these games uh, over Milan over the last couple of seasons. He's up for these games. Uh, and then get in Nicolo Badella getting his uh, – I believe this was his first start. It might have been maybe his second. But, um, I mean, that – I Sensi Barella Brozovic or Bilia – uh, Cassie Chalhanolu. Decisions, decisions. That's hard. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I'll die with my red and black, but I, I, I will take that inter midfield all every day and twice on Sunday. Uh, you, you said it. You got Brozovic, who was so outstanding last year, especially during the World Cup. Uh, Barella, who is a stalwart on the on the, on the Italian uh, midfield, and then Sensi, who's knocking on the door of that midfield, which is it's going to be hard to do. But you know, he, if someone can do it, he can do it. Um, just seeing those three in the middle, those three played fantastic together. I was curious to see how they would do uh, in a big game like this, and they performed exactly how you expected. Uh, the three of those guys together are, are something special. Um, Inter's really got something going, uh, good going right now. And, you know, we just talked yeah. about Sensi and Brozovic. 
you know, the the real first opportunity of the game started when uh, Brozovic gave the pass to Sensi. Sensi passed into the middle to the um, to Larturo. He gives it to D'Ambrosio after a save from Donnarumma, and somehow Critty uh, hits the post from point blank range. It's not the first post of the game, but uh, the first real opportunity that Inter were were here to play and and, and, and there to win the game. Yeah, you know, I've noticed the. This goes back into the derby. I believe it was uh, was it in, end of March or early April last season, and it, the, the the pattern that I've noticed, uh, and and we should go ahead and point this out that Milan is now winless in Serie A in in, in the league in seven matches now against Inter. First time that's happened in I think twenty years. They said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this this is this is um, unfamiliar territory for the Rossoneri. I mean, so. Inter has come out, though, on all these matches. The one thing that all of them have in common, it seems to me they've always been the aggressors. Like, Milan has 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 struggled to find their way into these matches against Inter. And it's so weird. It doesn't matter if Inter's on a cold streak or in the this current, obviously, top of the table hot streak, if you will. It's Milan's just, they, they struggle to get on just on a on a, on, a, on some kind of positive momentum in these matches against Inter recently. That's you're right. Inter came out. Um, this is this is again typical Conte. Uh, it's nil nil. Play to get the one goal lead, and you know what happens then. It's the uh, typical Italian manager's philosophy. But from the very point, aggressors. I liked it. I was very very on board with what Inter was doing early. From the onset, Frank, it looked like Inter knew what they were trying to do in the game, and they were doing it. Milan just looked clueless. Um, I mean, obviously with the with the, the starting lineup that Giampaolo came out with, but I mean, just on the pitch, people looked clueless. They couldn't get the ball to Piante. I felt bad for Piante because there was no service whatsoever going to him. Suzo looked terrible. Um, Bilia, Ricardo Rodriguez. I mean, you can just name any player on the on the starting lineup. They had a pretty poor game, just, uh, especially in this first half and beginning of the game. And just Milan didn't look like they were interested in this game, and it was all Inter. Hmm. I, you know, I mean, let's take, you take a look at the statistics, and you know, I mean, it's it's possession. I mean, Inter outpossessed Milan in the first half. They had more quality chances in the first half. Now, Milan took a lot of shots, but I mean, Handanovic was hardly troubled. I think he was forced into one save in the first half. Um, here's the problem I have with how Milan approached this game. It was it was timid, and for some reason, and, and Critty is hitting it right on the head. Inter is taking the initiative in these derbies. Milan isn't. We thought, okay, maybe with a coaching change, because every time Gattuso always seemed to pucker up um, whenever it came to be derby time. You know, he got aggressive against other teams, but against Inter, he always backed off or, you know, or, you know, or did things like that. Now, with Giampaolo, you think, okay, he's going to impose things a little bit. It's, it'll be a little bit different. But, no, it was the same thing. And you know something? I sat, what did I tweet Tuesday? I watched Inter's Champions League game on Tuesday against Slavia Prague. Did you see what I tweeted, Richard? You said pay attention to the way, the way they press them and, you know, and get them Slavia to Slavia Prague went there to press them. And that back three for Inter looked uncomfortable. Okay? Mm-hmm. There was a point in mm-hmm. the first half where Handanovic and DeVries were, were screaming at each other. Okay? They went to press them. All right? And we're talking about players like, you know, I mean, I have you know I have respect for Slavia Prague and the way they went out and played. Stanchu could play on a lot of teams in Serie A. Um, Masopust is a decent player. You know, Olenica, uh, uh, who scored the goal, um, and I think that that came as a result of pressure. 
if I'm not mistaken. But they pressed Inter into mistakes, and they made them uncomfortable. And and Milan, it's as if Giampaolo didn't even bother watching the Champions League game because I didn't see that at all in this game. Um, I didn't see them try to force Inter into mistakes. They let them play. They let them come forward. They allowed them to be comfortable. And when you do that, that's where Sensi and Barella get to dictate things. When you saw Slavia Prague press Inter, Sensi had to come back more. He couldn't impose things on the game as much as he does in some of these other Serie A games against these weaker teams where he's bossed games. Okay? You know, and, and, and he got forced into some situations, committed a foul, got a yellow card, you know, kind of got thrown off the things that he likes to do. Um, if you let Inter play and if you don't press them, you're letting Sensi into the game. You're letting Barella into the game. You're letting uh, the wingbacks, you know, Asamoah, who might not be a great crosser of the ball, but he can now work further forward. D'Ambrosio can, can do his work a little bit further forward. And by allowing that back three to play, that was the domino effect that happened, and that's why Milan were constantly under such pressure throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Frank, I'm I'm glad you brought up those players' names because we thought we had a breakthrough pretty uh, when Sensi gave the ball to Barella. Uh, D'Ambrosio, who is your uh, your superstar player? No, not really, but he had a yeah, fantastic stop, overhead stop kick, stop and uh, he said he had his over, overhead kick that Donnarumma had to stretch to save. Lautaro Martinez right there at the doorstep scores a goal, or yep. so we thought. Um, the whistle blew, the flag was there, they went to VAR. Uh, I guess it's determined that the Ambrosio, not Larturo, was off by uh, two inches maybe with an elbow. I don't know. Uh, it was a harsh call, I think. but um, Very close. It was, yeah. What did you think? Did you think that was an onside call, or how did you feel about that play? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was appropriately waved off. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those, what do you call them, ticky-tack? I mean, it, like Very ticky-tack. Old school, you could look the other way but i mean if you're going by var which they are it it was correct i mean it, they they showed the replay it, it, it should have been disallowed i mean but um yeah but what that did was it continued enters aggression it continued yeah their, their push forward uh we're at this point in the match we're still seeing milan horrendous in the final third we're seeing enter aggressive fluid and very 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 potent in the final third uh, Donnarumma's getting his uh, his workout for sure at this point, and you know that's the one thing is Frank just hit hit the nail on the head. Inter's midfield were passing at will; they were breaking Milan's defense down like they weren't even there. It, it was like, what, what? Where do we want to attack? If you remember this Spalletti crap from two years, these the, all of these all of the crosses from Cantriva, cross, 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 yeah. cross. I mean, it was like cross it into. Your, party and one of the 40 crosses he'll head in right that was the philosophy right and now you see fluidity now you see actual breaking down of defenses not just these desperate crosses from the wing with a a box loaded full of defenders you see inter attacking in multiple from multiple different angles from multiple different ways um i was very impressed uh with what they were doing yeah the goal got disallowed but inter inter were making their point that they were coming back for more yeah, I thought there was uh I thought they deserved a goal at that point. Yes, it was technically it was offside, but I mean, I, yeah, you know, I, it was as a forward, as you know, played a forward, I always think you should give it to the forward to the offensive side. But anyway, that's, you know, here near the here or there. But Inter obviously made their claim as, you know, that they're the team who's asserting their dominance in this derby, Frank at halftime. It was 0-0. It did not feel like that because it seemed like Milan were just overwhelmed by by their opposition. 
I mean, you got to be if you're a Milan fan, you're thrilled as hell to get out of there zero zero. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you got 45 minutes to figure out figure it out and get it right. Um, you know, so you know this should have been about. I mean, had it not been for Donnarumma, who is having an outstanding season uh, in goal. I mean, he, he had the double save against Hellas Verona last week. He had to make save after save. You know, he had to make some critical saves in the first half here to keep Milan in it uh, in the first half. Um, you know, so. Uh, any other goalkeeper in there, and Milan are looking at being at least three 0 down by halftime. I thought, yeah, I thought without a, doubt, a shadow of a doubt that the, the worst players for Milan, obviously Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, Bielia yes. was playing horribly, yes. Souza was terrible, and and Chalanolu were pretty bad. And I was hoping. Let me tell you, when Rodriguez came off, I whistled at him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen, listen. This is the perils and this is the consequences of having Giampaolo's 4-3-1-2 and not going out and getting a proper trequartista. Suzo is not a trequartista. He's a winger. Yeah. Okay, and they're trying to force him into this role here in the middle, and subsequently they're trying to force all of the creativity through him. Yeah, and, you got a good point there. Yeah. And, and by doing that – and. Let me tell you what Suzo does here, okay? Here's his statistics. He had 69 touches, 42 accurate passes that, you know, 87.5% of the time. That's eh, okay. But lost possession 16 times, Oof. okay? Mm-hmm. You know, you need a little bit more. You, you you need that number to get down into the single digits. I mean, you, okay, let's look by comparison. Stefano Sensi, okay, Uh that's probably not a good one. Less touches. He had less touch. He actually lost it 13 times. But I'm looking at Marcelo Brozovic. <laughs> had as many. Had 64 pa- accurate passes out of 80. You know, he had 84 touches. Lost possession nine times. Okay. Uh, Nicola Barella. Uh, you know, lost possession 16 times. But that's also because Inter had the ball a lot more, too. So they had the ball a lot more. So they had more exposure to lose the ball more. Milan didn't have the ball as much, especially in dangerous areas. And in the final third. Yeah. Exactly. So when you're looking at these possession loss, fine. Sensi and Barrera had the same amount of possession loss as Suzo did, but they had the ball more too. They had more range where they should lose the ball that much. Suzo didn't see the ball as much as those guys did or didn't get into attacking situations as much as they did, and he pissed it away just about every time he got it. Now – the other issue here, and and I'm I'm going nuts here, guys. I'm just telling you this right now. You guys mentioned Ricardo <laughs> Rodriguez. Yes. You guys mentioned Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, you know, I, as soon as Teo Hernandez gets 100% fit and can play 90 minutes, Ricardo Rodriguez is done. Um, Teo Hernandez should be the left back, and you just turn him loose. And this is another complaint that I have about Milan and about Giampaolo at this point. Play the new signings. Yeah. Okay. Ishmael Benasser is better than Lucas Bilia. And I don't know what SofaScore watched. They gave him a 7.0 uh, for a rating, which basically said that, you know, him, he was the second, be- third best player on the pitch behind Musacchio and Donnarumma. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. This guy couldn't get a foothold on the game, could not establish things. He plays from a regista position. He can't tackle. All right. Even though it says that he won three tackles. Fine. Um, but he's a step slow. He's 33 years old. You put Benesser in the game who can spray the ball around, who can play a little bit better from that deep-lying position, Milan has a little bit more of a chance and can impose things. Um, this excuse of the new players aren't fully integrated yet, well, then the, how, how do you integrate players into your system? You put them in the damn game, okay? You so put them in the damn that, game, you play them. That argument, 
The best. That argument, sorry, Critty, I'll get Barella it. Barella and Sensi are both new as well. Yeah. 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 Sensi and Barella are both new. They played. All right. Godin's new. He played. Lukaku's new. He played. What? So yeah. you know. So the only new player that can right now play and is ready to go is Leao. Don't tell me that. <laughs> All right. Don't tell me that. You know, and I was starting to warm up to Gianpaolo, but now I'm reminded exactly why I didn't like the appointment in the first place. There's a stubbornness to him. There's a system that he wants to play that I think is easily found out, and a manager like Conti figured it out pretty quick, especially with the lineup that Gianpaolo picked. Mm-hmm. Critty, um, obviously Donnarumma was having a, a heck of a game, and he did have a good game yeah. throughout, throughout. But I thought you know, the only shining, glimmering hope that Milan had uh, in the first half and, and throughout the game uh, was Liao, as, as a new insertion there by him. His yes. pace that yes. Godin couldn't handle... Yes. Um, I liked what I saw from him, but he was putting pressure. He was the one player who could look like who could pose an, uh, a threat to Inter's back line. Yeah, he was. He, so there was the one tackle late in the game, if you remember, it was on the uh, the, the far left side of the pitch. Yeah. Uh, Godin did. Uh, he, he he took he dispossessed him. Uh, really, uh, just that's just intelligence. Football IQ is what that is. Um, knowing when to tackle and how to tackle. But yes, you're right. The pace. Besides that one great play, you could see, um, and, and I think they even said, well, you can tell that Godin's played for Diego Simeone, you know, for a couple of years because, the, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he's a very, saying. very intelligent defender. Yeah, but I was, before the matchup, when I saw Milan starting 11, the Leao uh, start did not scare me, but as the game progressed and I saw his pace, I saw what he was able to do on the ball, that he was the one attacking presence Milan had that was able to, to do, do anything within Inter's final third. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, game well played on him. I mean, a guy has, uh, I think, Frank, you said he's had, what, 20 minutes so far this season yeah. as a sub? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in my opinion, to start in that kind of match, in that high profile of a match on international television with the whole world watching, I my hat's off to the kid. He played a hell of a game. 100%. But uh, nonetheless, it was 0-0 at halftime. Um, it didn't take long in the second half to finally get a breakthrough. Uh, Frank, I want to go to you with this one because there was a free kick on the on the left-hand side to the right of Donnarumma. Um, it was Brozovic and, and Sensi together over the ball. And as soon as you see Brozovic pull off like at the top of the box, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, crap, crap, they're going to go to him. They're going to go to him. Sure enough, the pass goes to Brozovic. He takes a shot, deflects off Liao, unfortunately, Goes in the back of the net. Um, I thought it was a great play by by Inter, but more of a stupid play defensively by Milan. But how did no one see Brozovic go out like that? Uh, we'll get to the VAR in a second. But Frank, you see a play like a player like Brozovic go out and, and doesn't go into the into the mix. He goes out on top of the box. You know that's a set play from the beginning. Yes, um, and it's just it it defies the basics of defending as a team or defending in set piece situations on corner kicks or in uh, free kicks that are in those deep wide positions. I mean, anytime a ball goes backwards, um, you've got to step your guys out and you got to step your guys out towards the ball. Um, now you got to do it controlled though. I mean, you can't have the whole, you can't have all eight or nine guys going out and chasing the ball because you're yeah. going to leave guys, you know, they can get off a cross. If they get off a cross, people are open at the back post. But whoever's closest has to go out and put some pressure. And nobody did. Everybody just held. Um, you know, so there's an issue there. Um, you know, but as far as the end result, it's just unlucky. 
Um, it deflects off Liao. It goes in for an own goal. Um, but that's what I mean. If you want to change how Milan set up in that situation, uh, whoever's closest has to go out and close down uh, Marcelo Brozovic in that situation, and and that just didn't happen. Yeah, I think it was Kessier was the closest guy, but it wasn't it wasn't even good enough. And Critty, uh the play gets waved off right away. They thought maybe it was an offside or an interference by Larturo. Mm-hmm. They went to VAR. Uh, VAR this time. Uh, upheld the goal, and it was a good goal. I think it was a good call on the play. A deserved goal for for Inter finally getting the breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, it, it's. I mean, that's that's one of those goals that probably shouldn't have been, but you get kind of a, 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 a goodwill goal from all the stuff you did in the first half that didn't go your way. Right. So it's just kind of, I mean, honestly, uh, that, that's probably one they shouldn't have scored on, and the one earlier that you talked about that we just uh, discussed um with uh, the with the uh, offside by two inches, that one probably should have. You know, it's it's it crosses each other out. It's it's one nil either way. Um, but this was just uh, uh, abysmal um, defending on Milan's side. I, I I was just I mean I I had to watch that play. I actually rewound it a couple of times on the feed because I'm like, what, what I wanted to see what each player was doing. I'm like, what, what, how, how did this? I mean, this was this was just this was quite quite puzzling. And uh, yeah, this is. Um, this is just more of the same from the first half, really. Uh, uh, kind of clueless, puzzling looks on people's faces. Milan uh, just being overwhelmed. Uh, looked like a deer in the headlights. Uh, it, it looks like a. It doesn't look like the the, the, the mighty Rossoneri of, of, of 10, 15 years ago. This looks like a team that's that's uh, mid-table, struggling for like a position. I mean, this the, Milan's just got doesn't at this point in the match they're, they're they look completely overwhelmed in every aspect of the game and this was bound yeah. to happen yeah and it took and it took you know Milan were playing poorly at this point to give up a goal still jump does make no moves until 15 minutes later when he takes on Chalonolo off brings in Paqueta who really did nothing in the game uh, Ricardo yeah, Rodriguez no. finally got the plug in the 72nd Teo Hernandez came in he was an instant impact for Milan but uh, he probably had their best chance in the game hitting the post later on but um, Inter would put the the game to to, to bed in the what was it seventy second minute? It was seventy eighth. Seventy eighth. Yeah. Um, Barella gets a ball, and for me, this is one of the goals of the weekend. Uh, beautiful pass to Lukaku. The, the finish was 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 you know placed very well, but I thought the pass from Barella uh, was the thing of beauty. Inter make it two nothing. Uh, many people want to talk about. How Frank, people want to blame Conti on the on the on that goal, um, but there's you know Lukaku was pretty wide open even though he had guys around him. Who do you fault on that play, if anybody? Not Donnarumma, I mean, surely. The whole back line. I mean, you can't fault Donnarumma. I mean, he's he's rooted to the spot on that header. He's not getting it. Um, you can blame Conti for. Uh, not going out and closing down Barella and, and allowing him to cross the ball. You can also blame Romagnoli for not getting into a goal side position on Lukaku too. So I think I, I think it's got to be shared, you know, in reality. Yeah. But as it was set up, as things were going, um, it, it was a it was a cross that Lukaku can attack. I mean, I think Romagnoli's original positioning is fine, but it's one of those that Lukaku can attack and. You know, Romagnoli's got to try to beat Lukaku to that position, and he's probably doing it from a flat-footed position, and it ends up where Lukaku just beats him there. 
uh, and heads it. I mean, and that's what strikers do. That's what good strikers do. Uh, you typically see Romagnoli deal with that, but in this case, Lukaku beat him to it. Yeah, um, and there's no there's no excuses for Milan. They just they 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 marked very poor all the way around at their entire back line, and it was a deserved goal by Inter. I deserved two goals. They surely should have had many more goals in this game. Um, Matteo Palitano would come on uh, just before that goal uh, for Arturo Martinez. And you think maybe, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, a step down for a player, but Politano is a good player under Inter as well, and he had a very good opportunity in the game. Um, him and Lukaku doing a give and go, and he hits a crossbar, uh, with a great shot. I mean, Inter just, how many posts did they hit in this game? They probably could have won 4-5-1 or 4-5-0 in this game if it wasn't for the posts and offsides, Critty. Yeah, I wanna, uh, so for about 20 minutes in there, uh, with the 1-0 lead, I wanted to point out that Conte obviously, had that back line, a back five in defense, and was just daring Milan to break them down. They were so and they couldn't, and they couldn't. Well, they were so disciplined and so well positioned, and they couldn't. Yeah, Milan was passing it around. This is where Milan t- started to dominate possession, but did nothing with it. It was, it was, it was all just uh, empty numbers, if you will, because you look at the stats: nine shots, one on goal. For the entire match. One yeah. shot on goal for Milan in the entire match. Inter had seven. Seven off of 16 shots. So if you're looking at quality, you know, we, we've talked all the time how when, like, Real Madrid would play Bayern, Bayern would have 70% possession, but Real Madrid would win 4-0, right? So same concept here. Basically, you have a better defensive team that obviously Conte is going to make them better defensively than, say, Spalletti. Sure. And you're just daring Milan to break you down. And, and they couldn't. And then you get caught on that quick, like you said, the give and go, uh, uh, you know, when, excuse me, the header first from Lukaku, and then almost the 3 0 right after that with Politano. I mean, yeah, it could have been a lot worse than it actually was. The disallowed goal in the first half uh, could have easily been 4 0 if we're, if we're talking. But I mean, it's a, it's a derby. You take 2 0, it's, it's just yeah. as good as it is 8 0. So, yeah. Um, and and what I, I'm going to coin this new term, and I'm going to call it Jim Paulism. Is when it's something that's beyond the mind of common sense. Uh, down to nothing, he finally decides to bring on Ante Rebic with seven minutes remaining in the game. Yes. Uh, makes yeah. no sense. He comes in. He's trying to. He's trying to make an impact. He's 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 actually looking pretty decent in there. He switched for Liao. So I mean, whoever both those guys in those positions, Liao and, and Ante Rebic, are the only guys really who made any kind of threat to, uh, against Inter. Teo Hernandez had that one opportunity uh, earlier, but um, again, Ante Rebic, a guy who we thought was going to start the game doesn't come in until the 83rd minute. Frank, I'm just mind-blown why it took so long for him to put Ante Rebic or anybody in. He just took so long for these substitutions. Last week, he left, what, two substitutions on the, on the plate? Um, this week, he brings on Ante Rebic last minute in the game. It doesn't make any sense, these substitutions that he's, he's making in these games. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that was just kind of, a, okay, I've got a third substitution. I'm down to a nil. I've got to change something. Um. That's kind of what. That's kind of the way it felt for me. And yeah. and and he doesn't give Ante Rebic enough time to get into the game, uh, and try to create something. So, you know, there's an issue there. Um, you know, Paketa for Chalhanolu made some sense, uh, just because uh, I thought Chalhanolu really struggled in this game. This game wasn't for him. No. Um, you know, you need. I mean, if you're going to play the tactics that Gianpaolo tried to play, Hakan Chalhanolu shouldn't be playing, you know, in a three-man midfield behind a Trequartista. He probably should be the Trequartista. 
Yeah. You know, where the pressure is taken off of him, where he can do some of the passing and he can do some of the things that they're asking Suzo to do. The issue here for Milan, who's going to play in that spot? I mean, you could play Pocket up from the start, and I, you know, we'll see, you know, but he came on as a substitute and wasn't very effective either. So, I mean, it was just, it was completely baffling. I mean, it's, it's just fair to say, Giampaolo just got this completely wrong, um, you know, from the beginning, uh, made, Terrible mistakes from start to finish as far as his starting lineup. It's criminal that Benesir is not starting where Belia is playing. Um, and I remember this. I you know, and I and I'm on my Lucas Belia soapbox again. I remember this is a, these are exactly the reasons why I didn't like the Belia signing two weeks ago, and I got grilled for it by me on Twitter. And you're like, oh, we got Lucas Belia. All right, I said we just we paid over twenty million for a 31 year old who had one <laughs> nice season at Lazio. It wasn't like he was elite. No. And you guys are celebrating this? I mean, I think they were probably celebrating the concept that maybe, okay, this is the end of Ricardo Montalivo. That's you know, that's probably what they were celebrating more than anything. But I mean, come on. I mean, I I don't see the value in him in there. Benacer, how do you you have a derby? You have a player who is the best player at a major international tournament. Okay. Say what you want, and it doesn't get the coverage, and it doesn't get the exposure of some of the other competitions out there. But the African Cup of Nations is a big time competition. Okay? Yeah, it is. And yeah, Ishmael Benasser, Ishmael Benasser was the best player in that tournament, and you can't start him in the derby. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, Sa- Sa- Sadio Mane wanted to win that tournament. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, have a, I have a question for you guys, real quick. Um, so this doesn't happen in the Premier League, and it definitely doesn't happen in the Bundesliga. Why is it that in the Milan Derby, Milan always wears their their Champions League seven time winners patch? Well, I, I I've never they, understood that. Is that like is that like we hold on to the past, we can't let go, but we're not really that anymore? But yeah, they always they, they always wear their uh, they always wear their badge uh, just to show off that they got the trophy the seven times. Uh, it's uh, it's always what they wear no matter what. Again, that's their standard. Um, why they're holding on to the past for sure. I mean, that's the last time we No won. one else does that. Literally, I mean, there's no other club like Real Milan. Madrid doesn't do that. <laughs> well, they got okay, too many. Just, they got, they got too many. They can't keep it on their damn sleeve now. <laughs> I was just curious because I, I, I noticed that. Um, I think it was the last derby. I noticed it in back in the last in spring, and then I noticed it again that night. And I'm like, why? Why in the world are they acting like this is a uh, Champions League match? Yeah, they've always done it for for the longest time. I remember, I had I have jerseys that had like six and five on them before too. So it's just something they've always done. I guess and they've always liked to show off how many trophies. Okay, they I was just I was just curious if it was like a. Uh, I, I know it wasn't because Juve Juve doesn't do it. So it's probably just, Berlusconi because Berlusconi used to him and Galliani used to say we're the most title club in in in, your, in 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 world football, and so I guess they like to show off that they had you know how many titles they had or whatever. So uh, I got oh my god, so during the banter area, it was like you could look forward to it at the beginning of every season. They're like opening press conference Galliani and Berlusconi coming out saying we're still the most successful club yeah. but we got very free agents yeah yeah I, I, and we're to, to, and, to, sorry sorry to go to to go with your point though what you were saying I, I do I, like are you guys I know he's brand new but I mean um you know as, as far as far as the, the the managerial appointment I mean you have to you have now uh, a, a pretty good sample size of what you can expect from this guy. And like you said, you, you have all this talent that you sign and you still have pretty much what is 80 to 85% of the Gattuso team still on the pitch. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, everybody, but everybody, but Leal were Gattuso guys. 
that started. Yeah, it's just uh, I'm I'm kind of as uh, baffled by that as you guys because um, I, I for one would be extremely upset with Conte if he's if Inter made all this this I mean they were making a huge stink about getting rid of Icardi and getting Lukaku in to replace him and then uh, getting Sensi getting Barella getting these guys and if they just sat on the bench and they were favoring Candreva for these guys or or someone like that it, that that would I mean. That'd just be inexcusable. So, I, I mean, you guys have a ton of... I look at your bench. You have a ton of talent sitting on your bench, and they're not even playing. It's, 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 very, it's, it's very perplexing. I mean, through the first three games, I was giving them a pass because I thought, okay, all right, we, we have six points from nine games. Or six points out of nine. I'm, sh- I'm sorry. Um, if we had only six points from nine games, I would want it to ask fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But... Right. Six out of nine possible points. Lost to Udinese on a corner. Had a chance to get something out of that game. Didn't particularly play well. Okay, fine. Beat Brescia, who, oh, by the way, they're actually pretty good. Um, and then uh, beat a Hellas Verona team that gave Juventus all it could handle. So, you know, so when you look at it from, from that perspective, okay, it's fine. It's going to get better. His, you know, his project still needs to take off. Let's get some of these new signings a chance to play. Now he comes into the derby. He still plays the same guys. He tries to put square pegs into round holes. Leal's the only new signing that starts. And what did we get all these new guys for? You know, I thought these guys were supposed to be the ones that come in and play his system. But we're trying to force Gattuso's guys into these spots, and it doesn't make any sense. It's time to start pulling the plug on some of these players and get the guys in there that were meant to play this system. Um, it's it's mind-blowing. It's frustrating. I mean, I think after the Hellas Verona game – I would probably have given Giampaolo a 75% approval rating. I was I was I was pretty I was getting pretty happy with him. After mm-hmm. this derby, after this derby I'm down to about 50. Mm. <laughs> oh, for the days of Rudgillet. Yeah. And uh Juve they, they were on top for maybe uh, 25 seconds uh this weekend. Inter jumped back into first place, 12 points. Uh perfect 4-0 record. Um, so yeah, uh, it was, you know, they call these a derbies because it's supposed to be a rivalry, but it's been utter dominance by, uh, Inter as of <laughs> several years now. So, um, mm-hmm. again, kudos to, to Conte and his team, uh, great lineup, great performance. I thought, um, they deserve a win. There's no doubt about that in my mind. So the question is. And this has always been the question when you have a, a, a seven match un, a seven match winless streak in this in a, in a derby series. Do you see light at the end of the tunnel? Because per, personally, with this manager and his the way he's obviously now we've seen him in a big match situation, the way he's subbing, the way he's putting his lineup in in the spring, will it be any different? And with Antonio Conte on the other side, I can't I can't see the outcome being any different. Yeah, internally getting stronger. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's a home match for Inter the second time around too. So I mean, it's a, everything's against Milan for the return, uh, for the return derby. I agree with that. You know, my question for you, Kriti, um, under Antonio Conte now, you've had four matches here in Serie A. We talked about the draw against Slavia Prague. Um, twelve out of a possible twelve, mm. um, and he's just getting started. Um, you know. Juve, Napoli, Inter. I mean, these. I think it's a dogfight to match week 38. The way this is shaping out right now, um, size up Inter's prospects as far as maybe getting this, uh, winning this scudetto. 
Well, I, I, I get, uh, I get very, I get very antsy talking about Inter and Scudetto in the same sentence, uh, especially uh, with after Dortmund's the, campaign you, last year. Sorry to say. <laughs> Yeah, no, nice. I mean, this is, so So last season, obviously they said that Inter was the anti-Juve, and you had players like Rosalco, Nainggolan, all these new signings that we're talking about, by the way, which were, Rosalco had, had a great World Cup, uh, Nainggolan was obviously on the downside of his career, but still very, very good figure, Mario Cardi, multiple-time Capocarnieri winner, yada, 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 and Inter... Uh, got slow start out of the gates and basically struggled for top four the rest of the season. And if you go back Mancini back in 2015, they led, the, I think they were uh, leading at Christmas, I believe. They were top of the table at Christmas and had a complete and utter uh, disastrous uh, second half of the season. They finished in fifth place, Europa League. Uh, top four did not make uh, champion. Oh, no, excuse me, they finished fourth, but only the top three from Italy at that time went Champions League, not top four. So I'm, I'm putting the brakes on the Scudetto talk. I'm not going to... Ju- Juve are the kings of the castle and as Rick Flair said, in order to be the man, you have to beat the man. And until uh, Inter can go and do against Juve what they did against Milan, then we can start talking. Because the other thing I want to see and I've seen so far is how are Inter doing against inferior competition? Because under Mancini, especially uh, under um, uh, Pioli, and uh, Spalletti, it was the uh, the Cagliari's, the uh, uh, Udinese. I, th- I know Inter was leading uh, two years ago, Spalletti's first year, they were top of the table, and they had a disastrous uh, 3-1 defeat to Udinese. And I think Kevin Lasagna scored like two in that game or something like that. It was just, that led into a cold streak in the month of January, not just because the month is cold, but because Inter was ice cold. <laughs> they went from first place to like fifth place. So it's there's 34 match days left. They have to play Juve twice. They have to play Napoli twice. They have to play Lazio twice. They have to play Roma twice. And I know we're saying on paper they're better than Lazio. Don't disagree with that. On paper they're better than Roma. Don't disagree with that. On paper probably even with Napoli, if not slightly better. Don't disagree with that. They're not better than Juve on paper. They have to go out and earn that one. That's the one, though, honestly, Frank, that if they can – when, if they can take three points from Juve this season, at least win the home matchup at the uh, San Siro, then I'll, I'll, you'll have a believer out of me. But I, I, I'm, I'm going based off of what have you done for me lately. And in the last nine years, Inter has consistently proven to be excellent in the first half of the season. They've had leads that they've maintained through the month of December. And, and Inter's kryptonite has always been the months of January and February. That goes back to Mancini. That goes back to uh, Spalletti. It's it's been uh, the last five years. They've had teams in posi- in the driver's seat come winter time, come Christmas break, and then completely fallen off the the the, the house, if you will, uh, in the early 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 months of the following year. So you got to get me past four match days. I like what I see so far. Uh, this is uh, everything you're seeing is right out of Conte's playbook. This is exactly what he did at Chelsea. He yep. went there. He he changed it. He went to a three-five-two or three-one-four-one, uh, three-one-four-two, whatever formation he had. Always three-man back line. Get the one-nil lead. Defend. Put five men in the back. Dare you to break us down. And it won him a Premier League. Absolutely, won him a Premier League. 
that's a hard thing to do with Man City in the same same league as you. But I got to see more than four matches. The Slavia Prague match, as you said, why Milan did not follow Prague's uh, blueprint for the pressing, for 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 uh, shutting Inter's midfield down, for frustrating them, for flustering them, get in their face, make them uncomfortable. I have no idea because I watched the same game you watched midweek and Inter looked very average. But that's because yep. Prague came to them. with, with, with they, they were the aggressors. So, so, so far, so good. I'll put it like that. I, I, I think that Inter is a top three side. I, I know that they finished fourth place you know, you know, a couple times in the last three or four years. Can they break into the top two? Can they, can they usurp Napoli? That, I would say, if you can do that first and foremost, if you can just get back into second place and make yourself known to the world as, like, the challengers for Juve, then you may I, – I, I just think it's too early. I think Juve is just they're – the, they're the Bayern Munich of Italy, man. Like, it just, it just – it doesn't matter what you do. They're just going to win. It, it, it doesn't matter I, – I was thinking this the other day. There's four things that are certain in life. Death taxes, Juve wins City, oh, Bayern wins the Bundesliga. That's it. Those are the four <laughs> things that are certain. And I don't, I honestly, I don't see that changing, Frank. I think Juve, when it comes down to it, when Juve has these big match opportunities, when they are in the situation where they are pressed and they have to, they have their backs against the wall because the media wants so desperately for someone to take them down. They show up, they play Cristiano Ronaldo scores a brace three, one, they beat Inter's no problem. And, and, and then we, you know, it, it's, it's, it's done and dusted at that point. I just, I don't see them this year taking the step to, to, to get to the Scudetto. I could see them finishing second though. Okay. Okay. And that's fair, but they're at the top now. And uh, let's just see how long that lasts. Let's see when, when, and if Hugh, uh, might make their charge. We'll see. I mean, Napoli's got a stake in this as well, but a, uh, a derby that Inter went ahead and took care of and uh, wins by two goals to nil. You know, we, we should give some attention to these other teams because there were nine other games. So here is a batch of match week four. All right. And the fun began on Friday night as Cagliari was host to Genoa. Uh, a 3-1 win for the Sardanians. Uh, Simeone opening the score in the 46th minute. Uh, there wouldn't be another goal until the 83rd minute as Kwame equalizes for Genoa. But then just a minute later, Christian Zapata with a header that would be a goal of the week candidate, except he scored on his own goal and put Cagliari ahead two goals to one. Uh <laughs> What a brilliant hitter. That was a bullet. There's The goalkeeper had no – Jonat Rondu had absolutely no chance. And Joao Pedro finishes the scoring. Um, it was a counterattack. Genoa just started throwing everybody forward looking for the equalizer. And it was Pedro going forward with another Cali player. It was two against the goalkeeper. And then Pedro just kind of worked his way around. Rondu scored, put it away, 3-1 to Cali. Uh, Milan Inter was on Saturday. There was two other games on Saturday. Udinese, Udinese nil. Brescia won. Uh, Rom- Romulo with the goal in the 57th minute to give the newcomers another win and put them on six points. Um, Juventus uh, at home against Hellas Verona. Uh, plenty of incidents in this one. Uh, but Juventus go on and win the match by two goals to one. Uh, it was, uh, first of all, Hellas Verona uh, get a penalty. Di Carmine misses it. 
a whole bunch of scrambling around. And then Miguel Veloso uh, in the 20th minute, just take a bow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, 1-0 to Verona. 11 minutes later, Juventus with a goal of the week candidate of, the, of their own from new boy Aaron Ramsey on an assist from Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, it would be Ronaldo in the 49th minute who would follow up with a penalty. This one was a clear one. Uh, no VAR controversy here. Cuadrado taken down in the box. Uh, some key saves by Buffon. Uh, old man Gigi Buffon wrapping up the win for the old lady. So that was Saturday's action. Moving on to Sunday, uh, be careful when you play Sassuolo because they're dangerous and they can score goals. Ball learned that the hard way. 3-0 win for the Nero Verdi. Uh, both of Francesco Caputo's goals are goal of the week candidates. 26 minute uh, on a lovely counterattack. And then in the uh, in stoppage time at the first half, uh, a wonderful chest assist by Domenico Berardi there. Uh, and then Alfred Duncan getting one in the 47th minute after initially Rudolph ruled offside. VAR had a look at it. Uh, 3-0. Uh, VAR had a look at it, overturned it. 3-0 win for Sassuolo over Spall. Bologna-Roma, one of the entertaining games of the weekend. Uh, you get the uh, no goals, though, in the first half. But when you get the ball uh, in your own penalty area or outside of your own penalty area and you commit a foul and your opponent has Alexander Kolarov on the team, um, yeah, get ready to concede a goal. Another goal of the week candidate. I'm telling you, there were 12 out of 28 goals here, guys, that were goal of the week candidates. Um, uh, Skorupski didn't even bother moving on this one. Gives Roma one one 1-0 lead. But five minutes later, exactly why you don't want Alexander Kolarov on your team. He can't defend. And he bumbled into Soriano, giving a penalty to the Rosso Blue. Uh, Sansoni converting that in the 54th minute. A San- Nicolas Sansoni, a staple in the uh, team Serie A sit-down fantasy team, by the way. Um, but uh, a Mancini second yellow in the 85th minute, uh, putting Roma down to 10 men. Paul Lopez making a massive save on Soriano, setting up uh, Roma, stealing the three points uh, after Vertu making a great run to set up Pellegrini, who would cross into Aiden Dzeko in the 94th minute. Roma winning two goals to one. Lecce won, Napoli four. Fernando, Llorente, Fernando Llorente, might be the best signing so far uh, of the transfer window as far as rate of return. Uh, just gets substituted into the game in the Champions League, scores a goal, and then uh, you know gets his first start here for Napoli and scores a brace. 28th and 82nd minutes. Insigne getting a uh, penalty in the 40th minute. Uh, was given by VAR, and then when he took it, it was at, his initial one was actually saved, but was allowed to retake it as the goalkeeper moved off his line. Gabriel... Uh, before the ball was struck. Uh, so Insigne allowed to retake it and scored, but it was Fabian Ruiz's goal, which was a goal of the week candidate. Classic counterattack. Insigne finds him. Ruiz with a little bit of work to do. Gets around a couple defenders. Classy finish. Mancosu with a penalty for Lecce as consolation. Uh, Sampdoria is off the schneid. How do we say that in Italian, Richard? Yeah, off the schneid. <laughs> What would be a similar turn? You know what I'm talking about, okay? You got uh, jokes today. I do. Too many beers. Hey, Sie haben endlich gewonnen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that uh, was the wrong, wrong Italian. Beating Torino, Manolo Gabbiadini with a goal from just about sea level uh, to win and give give uh, Eusebio Di Francesco a chance to keep uh, whatever home he's renting for another week. Um, Atalanta and Fiorentina, this one was good and bad, uh, but let's talk about the good. Well, not necessarily the good to start with. A Palomino own goal. It was a Chiesa shot. 
uh, from distance. Uh, but in the 65th minute, oh, dear Lord, Frank Ribery, welcome to Serie A and take a bow. Uh, out of the air first time on a cross from Chiesov, the counterattack, making it 2-0 for La Viola, thought they had it won. Gasparini makes his substitutions. Ilicic, Gomez both make an impact, and uh, they link up on the goal that puts them within 2-1. Gomez with a beautiful ball into Ilicic, goal of the week candidate, uh, making it 2-1. And Timothy Castan in the 95th minute, uh, giving Ladea a share of the points. Uh, an ugly racist incident being reported from this uh, towards Dalbert. Uh, we'll talk about that here shortly. Rounding out match week four, Lazio 2, Parma 0. Uh, it opened with Chiro Immobile in the eighth minute of a beautiful pass from Luis Alberto. May I remind you all that Chiro Immobile is my pick to win Capo Cananieri. Uh And Marusic, uh, in a classic, what I call what we call an up-back-and-through combination, uh, he is the player going through after playing up and getting the second goal, giving Lazio the 2-0 win. Let's get the racist incident out of the way, guys. Um Another another issue this time uh, at Atalanta, um, at uh, directed toward Dalbert. Uh, in this case, Critty, Atalanta is at least stepping forward and getting in front of it and saying, "That's not us. That's not who we are. We condemn this." Where you got crickets or you got some really really stupid things said by other ultras and other fans and other uh, other clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I'm not I, asking. I'm not asking. And I'm not asking you because I know Inter's part of the problem was was part of the problem with yeah. Koulibaly and, and all that other stuff. But uh, but take it away. Yeah. No. Um, I, I I brought this point up. Uh, the wonderful part about Semper Inter and Studio Inter is that there's we, we have uh, members uh, of that, that community from all over the world. You know, I have myself and Alex here in the United States. Um, we have uh, English. Uh, Italian and of course Nima is uh, Iranian but lives in Sweden. So there's it's 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 all corners of the world. It's kind of like inter the, the 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 brotherhood, the international brotherhood. So the, I brought this up on the podcast and it we we got this a lot of support behind this because when I talk about this, uh, Alex Donna, who lives in Florida, understood where I was coming from on this. And Richard, you're you're going to understand where I'm coming from on this too. Um, Frank, I, I know you're up in in, in uh, the Milwaukee area, but. Um, you know, we're, Richard, we, we support a baseball team that is uh, uh, from the Deep South, which is both yeah. the birthplace and, thankfully, the final resting place of slavery in this country. And the Atlanta Braves, for example, have some colorful characters like uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies. Let me say this. If, if you had a, a, an incident in the stands, first of all, you would get the shit kicked out of you by other fans. That's, that's where the, the United States, it, it, you know, I'm not talking about the political fever in this country whatever you know i'm not talking about charlottesville i'm talking about at sporting events specifically at sporting events that's what we're talking about here and if you so happen to make it through the rest of your your peers in the stadium without getting the crap kicked out of you you'd also be escorted out by security the other thing is this problem has persisted for far longer than one incident this is a sporting game this is a sporting event this is a, is a football match in the grand scheme of things in life, it's not that important. Racism is very, very important that it be ushered out of our lives. I propose, you know, I can tell you that the Atlanta Braves, for example, if they could not get this problem done, Major League Baseball would ban them from the postseason. They would say, you're, you're, you know, you're 
you're going to be docked when. And if you can't get your fans and your organization to abide by these rules, whether it's the ultras, the season ticket holders, whatever it is, then the league is going to put to dock you wins. And for their for that very reason, I think that Serie A should take a stance on this and say, you're going to be docked points. You'll be relegated. We're going to bury your club into the abyss if you cannot control this. And I'm sorry, but it's 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 no longer something that happens occasionally in Serie A. It happens almost weekly at this point. And it's been a persistent problem for many, many, many years. And, and, and the only way I feel like, and this is where I brought this up last spring on Studio Inter, the only way that you can get this problem under control is to make it hurt. The penalty has to hurt. In having the, what was it, the four-match ban last year where they had, like, kids in the stadium and they had an empty stadium for one match or whatever it was, that's nothing. That's not the, 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 that's, that's ridiculous for, for, for what Koulibaly had to endure. I mean, you, you, you have – it's 2019, and we're still talking about this. But we were talking about this in 2015. We were talking about this in 2010. And so my, my, my suggestion, the only thing, Frank and Richard, that I can come up with is you can't do it in baseball in terms of points because it's wins and losses. But you can say, you know what? You can win your division. You're not going to the postseason. Have fun. You can, you, we, we don't care. Whoever's the next in line, they win the division. You go to the postseason. In Italy, or in football in general, you can dock them points and say, if you have another incident, we dock you three points. If you have another, we, we dock points all the time in Serie A. Uh, uh, Chievo Verona started last season with negative three. Why? They were docked points because they, they violated they violated certain I think racism in Italy, in Italian football, in calcio, is a much bigger issue than some of these uh, point deductions that, 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 that clubs are getting. If you can do it for that, you can do it for this. Because I, I, well, the thing, I, I don't know if you can get the point across anymore. I have a feel. I mean, here's my take as far as point deductions or or, or or anything along that. I've always disagreed with that as the answer because now you're punishing the the players who have nothing to do with what's going on in the stands, who are con, who condone what's going largely condone what's going on in the stands, unless you're Leonardo Bonucci. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, ouch. you know, so so I, I always found it hard. But now I think I'm at a point where we're at a la- we're at a last resort here and that that needs to that that might end up having to be what needs to be done here. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's aggravating. Uh, there's no there's no getting around it. It's aggravating. So, uh, Richard, you had a quote from uh, Andrew Cesare, who we've had on our uh, podcast before. Yeah. And before I get to him, uh, the We Made It podcast said, you know, how about doing a transfer ban? And that's actually not a bad idea. Um, it's it's gonna hurt Atalanta, but or whoever whatever team you know does this kind of shit. But um, it's you gotta find a way, a drastic way to make shit happen. Uh, so anyway, to Andre Chesterday quote, uh, you know, he was saying Syria have asked for more time to investigate the incident racism. Um, or as Andrew says, just more time for people to forget about it. Depends on what point of view you're looking at. Um, of the last three weeks, we've had you know shit go down with racism. Syria's responses have been further investigation and then nothing. Next week, no mention. This week, further investigation. Something has to happen, and it has to happen with the FIGC. Um, they're the freaking cowards in all this shit, and it's it's just sickening. And people are starting to turn off Serie A because because of shit like this, you know. And it's unfortunate because this league is so fun to watch. There's so many goals. I mean, you, you talk about how many goals of the week candidates we had this week. Um, this shit like this is turning away from all the great great play on the pitch. 
Yeah. The, 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 and, yeah. And, and Frank, I'm glad that you brought that up a minute ago. I, I'm, 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 I'm saying to do this as a last resort because I don't see any other sensible solution. They've, they, they've, they've tried um, the, the whole empty stadium crap. That, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's nothing. I mean, that, that's a slap on the wrist. And this is a problem. This isn't something that's happened once or twice. It's persistent. It, it's, it's a chronic problem. It, it, that, that's 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 the issue here is that this, it, 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 as you just said, uh, Richard, it, it's taken away from all the great players and, and, and matches we're seeing. Serie A is on the rise. The quality of the game is on the rise in this country. The, 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 you know, they've got a contract now with ESPN. It's it keeps, uh, coast to coast across across, all, you know, all the continents. It, it's 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 on the rise. The, 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 the league is in the best position it's been in in decades. I mean, I remember living in Germany 15 years ago. No one gave two shits about Serie A. I mean, literally, it was like, I, you know, it's, it's Juventus and AC Milan and nobody else even, even matters. This is before the Inter five in a row. It was just it was basically a two club league and it was it was perceived as boring. Now it's got you've got superstars there. You've got uh, a real four or five team horse race uh, uh, for Europe and for uh, Champions League for Europa League. It's a fun league. It's exciting, and we have, but we have to hear this every single week, and it takes away from the product. Yeah, um, I agree with all of this. I agree with all of this, and you know we have just beaten it to death over the last three podcasts too. So, you know we've said what we've needed to say. Maybe it is the point deduction is a last resort. All right, let's get to the good stuff here, guys. Um, you know, I, I let's start with the Saturday. I mean, I'll give you guys a chance each right now. Just take a look at these nine games. Give me Richard. Give me three things that jump out at you from what you saw. Um, Sassuolo continues to score beautiful team goals almost week in week out. I mean, they have the, the blips like last week where they just don't, they, you know, they don't win the game. But when they do score, they score great, beautiful team goals. These are two Caputo goals that were beautiful team goals, and, and Duncan's goal as well. Um, Brescia continued to win, but more importantly, you know, uh, teams like Udinese and Torino continue to falter, which is you know. I can't wrap my head around it. How are they, these teams who have so much talent are doing this? And then the third thing, um, you know, Atalanta find a way no matter what, right? They, no matter how, how much they go down in the game, they, you know, with all that talent they have off on the, off, in the offensive end, they find the ways back in the game. No game is done until the whistle blows, and, and they're, they're, they're evident about that. They're proof, proof in the pudding. Except Indeed. Champions League. Yeah, yeah, they didn't figure it out. Technically. Yeah, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> and they look like they. I mean, I saw, I watched the first half of that game, and they just look like they shit themselves. I mean, it's really the only thing that you can say about it. I mean, they just. It was a, a lot of unsureness, and Adam Digby actually said something that nailed it. Uh, Atlanta, Atalanta probably also learned the hard way of you can't play a two-man center midfield in Europe. You know, so. One of Ilicic or, you know, Gasparini must have thought he was going to go to Zagreb and boss the game. But, you know, he thought probably what I thought. So, you know, playing Ilicic and Gomez, you probably can only play one of them. And then you better, you know, it probably should have been a Darun, Freuler, and Pasolic midfield, you know, to try to balance things out. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Critty, how about you? Three things. Yeah, yeah so three things stand out to me uh, from this past weekend. Juve continue to skirt by. Uh, it, you know, we're, we're seeing it, it reminds me not quite as bad as their slow start to the, I think, 2015-16 campaign. Or, uh, it was whenever they were like in 
13th place after seven match days, and then they had that incredible win streak and ended up scoring, you know, getting a tallying over 90 points that season. But for a minute there, they, they got off to a very rough start, and it looked like that they were going to uh, uh, end their Scudetto run at about four, I think it was at that time, three, either three or four. Uh, they right. are winning, and they're but they're winning ugly. It's it's not it's not impressive. Uh, obviously, Hellas Verona is uh, <laughs> they're 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 uh, obviously a promotion team. They you know they, that's a team that you would think Juve would blow away four 0 But um, hey, a win's a win. Uh, number two, is my, this guy I should hate this guy because he played for Bayern. But my God, Frank Ribéry, you can't help. I love this guy and appreciate his game. He's an ageless wonder. He just continues to do what he does, uh, whether it's whether it's at uh, uh, you know uh, early days in France, whether it's at Bayern Munich, whether now it's at Fiorentina. The guy is just um, he just doesn't age. Uh, the only thing that, that's that, that's hampered his career is injury. You know, he said he's missed large parts of it due to injury, but when he's healthy, my God, he's still just as good as he ever was. It seems like uh, yep. definitely has been a joy to see him. And I don't mean any disrespect, but like not come to MLS. You know what I'm saying? To, to like not not do the the Ibrahimovic thing and come over here and score 30 goals and you know be heralded. But you're you know you're not doing it in Europe. He actually went to a pretty big Italian club. He's still relevant. He's still playing at a high level. And honestly, uh, even as someone who despises Bayern Munich, I, I I can't help but appreciate what this guy's done for that very club and what he's doing in Serie A. And the last thing is, you know, Chiro Immobile continues to score ever since he's put that Lazio shirt back on a couple of years ago after coming back from Dortmund, back from Sevilla. A true joy to watch. He scores goals. He he keeps Lazio in contention. Um, obviously, again, they're they're going to be fighting for that fourth place. Their goal aspirations are Champions League right now. They say. but I I just it's it's so nice to see a guy who he ventured out of his home country. Did work out for him at Dortmund. Uh, um, I, I feel like they pulled the plug on him actually far too early, if, if you want my honest opinion. But, you know, it is what it is. Found his way back into Serie A, and the guy has just been unbelievable to watch. I wish he could do the same for the national team, but, you know, that's a different story. Um, but for Lazio, he's lights out. He's a true joy to watch. They win last week 2-0. So continue, keep it up, Immobile. Keep it up, everybody. Okay, I'll give you my three here, um, you know, and then we'll uh, talk about our five, uh, our top, we'll rank our top five goals of the week. Um, I'll start with uh, the Sampdoria-Torino game, um, you know, Di Francesco getting his first win at Sampdoria, huge relief for him. Uh, but, I mean, I think that there's a couple of things that I want to point out from this game. Torino now, back-to-back defeats, you know, to teams that, you know, are relatively inferior. Are we starting to see things get stale a little here under Walter Mazzotti? Or are we starting to see things... Uh, get a little pear-shaped under him. Is he going to last uh, as Il Toro's manager? This was, I think, the thing that we had a problem with as far as Torino and why we t- said in the preseason that this is one of those teams that you could look at as a possible team that could make a fall from where they were. Uh, so after getting off to a nice two-out-of-two two start, uh, they lose at home to Lecce. They lose to Sampdoria, who had been really struggling. So, uh, you know, inexplicably have been struggling. And a player that I'm taking out of that game that I thought was phenomenal in this was Fabio De Pauli. Um, he, he's playing as a right wing back in that system. I, Di Francesco deployed three, wing, three, three center backs and had De Pauli play as a wing back. And it looks like he's reborn in that situation. And I think it's just a theme of players that are getting to escape Chievo. Uh, because Mattia Bani playing for Bologna now scored for them last week, and now you've got Di Pauli, who is an ex-Kievo guy and now in Sampdoria and getting to enjoy his football. 
I thought he was fantastic in this game, and this is a guy that I want to keep an eye on when we talk about right backs in Italy that are on the rise. This is somebody we want want to, want to pay attention to. I like touting people, and I try to like I like trying to get ahead of uh, of the curve. And this is a guy that I have a pretty good feeling about when I initially, you know, wondered why Sampdoria was buying this guy. Uh, so uh, he put in an excellent performance against Torino. Here it was a was a big key for. Um, uh, for the Blue Carati. Uh, and speaking of guys who are in amazing form right now, Domenico Berardi is in outstanding form, not just because he's the Capocan and Yearly leader, and he didn't score in this game, but he was incredibly influential in Sassuolo's win over Spall. Um, let the rumors begin about, I would, you know what, 10 times out of 10, if you ask me to pick, if as a Milan fan, would I rather have Berardi or Suzo Berardi all day? Um, you know, he, he creates, he gets it done, doesn't give things away, scores goals, creates goals. Um, and is a, is a lot more aggressive with the ball and has a has a good change of speed uh, when he has to work his way around defenders and I think has a lot more creativity than the Spaniard does and certainly uh, coming into his own and then I said it earlier about Napoli um, you know the the best return on an investment right now is for for uh, Fernando Llorente I mean he's hardly played he's got I think like you know in all the competition for all the minutes that he's played he's got three goals and one assist in all competitions already. So um, Napoli just keep finding gems. And I think just to take that a step further, Carlo Ancelotti continues to mold this team and continues to forge a winning mentality with them. They come off of a 2-0 win, you know, over Liverpool in the Champions League. Have to make that trip to Lecce after winning that Champions League game. Uh, you know, Grant, you know, Lecce, we don't think very highly of as a team, but one of the things that you can underestimate is going to Lecce and trying to get results. That team has a very loyal following. It has one of the highest season ticket rates, uh, you know, among teams in Serie A. And Napoli just wiped the floor with them in their own yard. Uh, so th- that is a Carlo Ancelotti man- managed team. You get a famous win over an opponent and you follow it up with beating a team that you know you're supposed to beat there's a lot of clubs that really don't do that so kudos to napoli and fernando llorente off to an amazing start there with the partenal pay uh all right so let's get to our goals of the week uh five down to one richard you can go first yeah um i'm gonna go uh first uh the team goal it was uh for inter godin to barella to lukaku for the goal that's gonna be number five for me uh, number four is Caputo's first goal, a beautiful team goal there. Uh, Caputo finishes with a brilliant finish. Number three, Kolarov, his free kick, uh, wonderful strike as he always does. He's just money in these situations. Number two, uh, Caputo's second goal, uh, the beautiful chest pass from Barardi with the assist. Uh, that was just wonderfully played. And then the number one goal of the week for me, um, Di Carmine hits the post off the off the penalty kick. Uh, Lazovic follows up with a post shot as well, and eventually ends up going to Miguel Veloso, and he puts in a rocket. Uh, so that's my goal of the weekend uh, with uh, against Verona against uh, Juventus. A wonderful, wonderful strike by uh, Veloso. All right, Critty, if you don't have a top five, if you don't have them ranked from one to five, but in any order, give us your five favorite from this week. I, I have, I actually have, a, I have a top three. I was able to get a top three for you. Okay, perfect. So, have at it. So, so I have so uh, obviously okay so Caputo Kolarov is uh, three and two and number one just because uh, as Richard pointed out it's a team goal it was in the derby it was the game clincher that was Lukaku and it's not the prettiest goal it's the by 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 no means it was the most skill or the prettiest goal but in that high profile of a game with that much on the line 
in against your arch rivals to, to score that for him being a new a new new newly signed player on the team that's that's a huge moment for him and i think that's going to give him confidence moving forward and that's why i put it as number one homer <laughs> just a bit man, i said it was it was biased i said it was biased but hey man the dude the, the dude the dude's coming from manchester united where everything's on fire right now he, he needs a little bit of uh confidence under fair, the wings, enough. Right? fair enough yeah, fair enough okay okay he's in my top five by the way but he's not number one all right number five for me was the goal by fabian ruiz for napoli uh beautiful counterattack. uh insigne picks him out well and ruiz still has a lot of work to do uh, you know, cuts the ball inside and, and uh, fires a brilliant shot there. Um, I'll give the two Caputo goals my honorable mention, and uh, I'm also going to give some goalkeeping performances an honorable mention. Despite losing, I think uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma was very, very good. Uh, the old man, Gianluigi Buffon, made some key saves uh, in their win, and then uh, I'm also going to give an honorable mention uh, to Paul Lopez, who uh when shorthanded, came up with a big save on Soriano, which, which set up Roma to get three points at Bologna. So uh, those three goalkeepers and then the two Caputo goals. But anyway, Ruiz is number five. Romelu Lukaku's goal is number four for me, Agree, you know, for all the reasons you guys said. Uh, number three, Alexander Kolarov goes without saying. I mean, just a fantastic free kick. I mean, when the goalkeeper doesn't move and he knows he's screwed, you know it's a good goal. Uh, I'm going to go with Veloso's goal, actually, is number two. For as good as it was, I, you know, I'm going to give it to the old man for goal of the week. Franck Ribéry, uh, yes. with the volley out of the air from uh, Federico Chiesa, what a goal. Uh, off a counterattack. And like I said, I mean, what, each each game there was a goal doing better than the one before, and you're thinking that's the goal of the week. No, now this game happened, and that's the goal of the week. So so that's where I'm at. Ruiz, Lukaku, Kolarov, Veloso, and my goal of the week, Frank Ribery's volley uh, off the long cross from Federico Chiesa. What was your top five? Go to at Serie sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. Let's wrap this up by giving a quick preview of what's going on midweek. Well, you know, for a midweek slate, there are some really big games here. Um, you know, Tuesday we have Verona hosting Udinese, which um, for all intents and purposes might be a relegation six-pointer early in the season. Uh, and then we have Brescia getting to uh, welcome the champs. Uh, stories that Ronaldo may sit this game uh, for rest, so that could make it a little bit more competitive. We could also see the debut of Mario Bellotelli. Uh, if you're looking for some incentive to watch that match, those are two oh, great yeah. reasons in Brescia. And Brescia is a very competitive team here. So, um, and with the struggles Juve had against Hellas Verona, uh, you know, this could get interesting, you know, for those reasons. Uh, and then the Wednesday slate, you have Roma hosting Atalanta, big one there. Yeah. Um, you get your abacus out for that one. Uh, Inter hosting Lazio. Uh, so coming off the derby, and now have to follow up playing a Lazio team that's playing really well right now. Uh, Torino uh, and Milan, two teams that you could say are probably in the descendancy right now. Somebody's got to do something in that game. You have Napoli hosting a Cagliari team that's all of a sudden uh, gotten a little bit of a resurgence after a slow start. Genoa and Bologna, two of the more interesting teams of this season as far as who could make that push into the top half. Parma hosting Sassuolo, Spal hosting Lecce in case any of those other games bore you. Uh, And then Fiorentina playing host to Sampdoria. So some big-time games in here. Kriti, obviously you're most interested in the Inter-Lazio one. So talk about that one a little bit and some of the others. Well, 
Lazio, as I said, has uh, one Ciro Immobile on the squad who always uh, puts a little bit of fear of me. I, I, um, I go back to a couple of years ago when it came down to these two sides, uh, winner takes all going into the Champions League. And actually a draw, I think, would have gotten Lazio in the Champions League. Um, Inter had to win. So this, this, this is a rivalry. This is always a hard, hard-fought contest. Uh, it's been some uh, Coppa Italia matches. Inter has lost to them in recent years. So this one, this one's, this one's a lot tighter uh, uh, usually than it should be. Uh, if you look at the rosters, obviously on paper that means nothing when it actually is, when you play the game on the pitch. Um, you know, I'm looking for Conte to, to keep doing what he's doing. You know, this is this is his his league. He's familiar with. It. He's going to obviously have a, a three five two, three one four two, some variants of that. It's uh, going to probably go with the same back three that he had against Milan last week. Uh, look for uh, Lukaku and uh, Lautaro up front once again. Uh, I honestly wouldn't uh, expect uh, many changes in the lineup, to be honest. Um, you, you will see some of the midfielders, but you should see eight or nine of the same players that played against Milan in the derby. Um, you know, Correa, Alberto, you know, those guys, obviously, Sergei, uh, you know, Lazio's got a good squad. Uh, um, they, 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 they can play and they can score and they, they have the, uh, the, they have, they have the ability to be giant killers. And so that's obviously what worries me. These are the kind of matches that I was talking about earlier, Frank, that if Inter want to win the Scudetto, if they want to even consider talking about it, they have to win. Uh, these are the games that Juve does win. Whenever you see Juve go up against Napoli, whenever they go up against Lazio or Roma, they win. They, they, they care, take care of business. Um, what scares me the most, if I'm a Juve fan, is having this game, like you said, against Brescia, and you rest Ronaldo, and they get disinterested, and it's, and it's boring, and they have a snooze fest, and they know that they can win whenever they snap their fingers. For Inter, this, this is the chance, this is the top five side, arguably top four, uh, depending on what time of the year it is. They have to take care of business uh so i, I think i think inter is going to get uh back-to-back uh huge matches huge challenges here uh it's a real test to go back to back especially on what is this four days uh five days rest uh to go and play up against lazio so this is this is this is huge coming off the derby and if they win this one if they get 15 out of 15 uh I, I, i'll be singing their praises a little bit higher in terms of uh Serie A champions uh that i was tonight I'm going to predict Inter's going to win this game just because I think Lazio have some issues away. They got they opened the season at Sampdoria, won that game 3-0. But I think that was more tactical ineptitude by Di Francesco. We talked about that in our uh, review of that match you know, a, a few weeks ago. Um, he took three strikers in a 4-3-3, started all three strikers, and had, asked two of them to be wingers, um, you know, which Di Francesco does plenty of times. But that's another story. Um, but when you look at the road struggles, not closing it out at Spall, not closing it out at Cluj, and now they've got to travel and play a team that's better than both of them. I, I just can't, you know, I think that Lazio will find a way to score a goal in this game, but I think that they might have enough defensive deficiencies. I'm going to go with Inter to win that one. Um, I think they're going to just, uh, you know, I, I think winning the Derby lit a fire now, and I think that they're going to they're going to be good to go. I'm going to go two to one Inter. Wouldn't surprise me if Inter found a third in there somewhere. So, um, Richard, how about you? Uh, midweek, uh, what games got? I mean, obviously Torino Milan is going to have your attention. Two teams that are at this point might be getting desperate, but you know, talk about that one. But you know, what else has got your attention? Honestly, I, that that game is not enough to be a dull fest the way these two teams are playing at the beginning of the season. I mean, I'm going to watch it, obviously. But the way these two teams have been playing lately, it just seems like, you know, 
loser takes all. I mean, who's going to want to win that game? Someone's going to stand up and show that they want to play and win the game. So until until one of these teams do it, I'm not going to be inconv- I'm not going to be convinced by that. Um, Roma Atalanta is obviously going to be a draw, one of the best games to watch this this, this midweek, uh, obviously with the Inter Lazio match. But the game I'm actually looking forward to uh, is going to be Brescia hosting Juventus for the reasons Critty pointed out. You know, Juve, you know, they when they play the big teams, they they get up for those games. And Cristiano Ronaldo steps up. You know, everybody plays. Juve just does what they do and they win. But sometimes they overlook these smaller clubs and it's a little tighter than they need to be. And Brescia have a fun young team. And if Balotelli comes in. He's going to be motivated because he wants to make the Azuri squad again. That's why he came back to Italy. And I'm curious to see how Brescia perform. And they got guys like Tonali and, and Donnarumma. And they're, they're a good young squad. You know, they're not going to be, it's going to be, they're going to be fighting the relegation zone this year, but they're going to make it tougher for everybody. And I think they may give Juventus a good old scare, especially for Ronaldo not there. And I'm going to be curious. I really want to watch that game just to see how those things, that thing pans out because it's, it's, it's a perfect, prime opportunity for a letdown for Juventus when they're it's a team they know they can beat they can be easily and you know they're just going to overlook it and it's going to be too too tight much tighter than they expect yeah I, I I'm with you I love the Roma Atalanta game the Fiorentina Sampdoria game uh, I think is interesting can Fiorentina for the love of God finally win a match um, has Sampdoria figured a thing or two out or are they catching Torino right now in some bad did they catch Torino in some bad form and get lucky that's an intriguing one for me. Um, and then Napoli-Cagliari. I mean, Cagliari have some pretty decent pieces here uh, and, and could give uh, the Partenope some trouble. Um, Ancelotti, one of the interesting footnotes here is Ancelotti went with David Ospina in goal uh, at Lecce with the idea that you know he could use Merritt against Cagliari. Uh, it might rate Merritt as a better goalkeeper. So he's even rotating his goalkeepers at this point. So I like that game. I like, you know, Let's see what Cagliari can do. They did win at Parma. Uh, obviously, going to the San Paolo is a whole different uh, kettle of fish for them. But uh, that could be interesting if Cagliari can get a foothold in it and, and kind of create some things. So, um, you know, I mean, there's great and intriguing games here across the board, you know, with, with the exception of Spalletti. Uh And I, I agree with you. Richard, I think Torino-Milan have nil-nil written all over it. Uh, and I don't think either team will be bothered by that. Yeah. Um. And then I, I will, uh, you know, I, I, I think Fiorentina Samp is an interesting game, and I think Napoli Cagliari are interesting games too. Uh, I do expect the home teams to come out on front. I think Fiorentina is finally going to win a Serie A game after all this time, uh, and I think Napoli will, uh, will be able to take care of business against Cagliari. But I think both of those home teams are going to get a little trouble first before, uh, uh, before they can be fully comfortable. So, um, so your thoughts on the midweek slate, guys? At uh, Serie I sit down on. Twitter or Instagram. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Time to shameless plug, and we will uh, give our guest the floor first. Critty, take it away. All right. Well, besides that, I was going to say one thing. I was going to watch that that Roma Atalanta game is the other one that I'm really going to be looking at. So that, that's 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 the that's the gym I think on Wednesday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I've um, obviously. Uh, author and creator co-founder whatever of the uh, Sempre Inter legend the Inter legend series uh currently uh on a little bit of a hiatus from that uh we do have 18 articles though currently up about Inter legends uh from the past and uh talking about everything from uh Miazza all the way up to Javier Martinez uh you know we we um excuse me um shoot uh 
Avianetti. I'm in the wrong sport here, Jesus. Avianetti. Uh, <laughs> we, we we basically have covered. I said Javi Martinez. Jesus. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so we 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 have that as simple internet. Of course, you can catch uh, Studio Inter podcast every week. Uh. They record. Nima, uh, awesome host, awesome gracious host, always has a, a full lineup of, of of topics and guests on. So he's going to be breaking down everything. Only enter a 100% enter, 100% all the time. So uh, definitely give that a listen. And other than that, uh, I'm just uh, happy as hell you guys invited me on. It's been a true pleasure to be back on for my second cap with Sadie. I'll sit down and, uh, yeah, it's been a great evening. Well, hopefully we'll get you the uh, hat trick of caps before this season is over with. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Critty. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you very much. Richard, how about you? Hey, we got Critty is like uh, Liao. He got 20 minutes during the season. All of a sudden, he gets a full 90 with us. So that's good for that. Good for him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Better performance than Liao, but anyway, uh, yeah. Bum. You can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n. And uh, when I'm not on uh, on the podcast, you can find me on YouTube. We're making videos for the Syria Sit Down. Uh, just make sure you follow the YouTube page there at Syria Sit Down. So uh, yeah, um, Fonseca Vita is going to come out. We just did the der- we did a very uh, special Derby Top Five, and we, uh, obviously we do our Top Five goals of the week every week. So um, yeah, look up for the Fonseca video. Should be coming out soon. Um, but yeah, good things uh, good things come along with Syria Sit Down here. Excellent stuff. I'm at FTC underscore twenty one. Um, Fantasy uh, Calcio Richard uh, Team Syria Sit Down. We've we're we're trying to figure out how to make this work. We like our lineup now going forward. We made some transfers. We made some changes. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll uh, start climbing in some of these leagues that we're in. We're on 173 points, and that's not going to get it done, it sounds like, from teams that are well into the 200s right now. So uh, we'll gain some ground. Uh, we'll uh, we'll work let's our hope. way up. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> yep, let's hope. So, uh, But anyway, uh, Seria, sit down. We have our own page on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere uh podcasts can be found uh we have our own video page on youtube where richard will uh light up the goals of the week this week um i will eventually get some equipment here where i can start doing some videos here too it's just i've got so much going on here and life's getting away from me again uh but uh hopefully i'll be able to uh uh, to add to the discussions i'm looking forward to doing that uh so check us out on youtube and subscribe to that page drop likes on the videos uh would be very much appreciated and then as far as social media we are on twitter at seria sit down instagram at seria sit down and richard are we on facebook now yes we are we are now on facebook as well so we're everywhere oh okay so just look up seria sit down and uh join like that page and uh, we'll have some content on there from time to time as well so uh want to say um grazie once again to critty smith for being our guest today thank you guys very much again for having me it's been absolute pleasure i have finished this beer it was delicious i hope you finished yours what a great night what a great night guys thank you very much I had two, so yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a big okay. one. Okay, well, you st- I didn't get to sneak back into the kitchen in the meantime. I just I stayed right here in my uh, little desk. <laughs> Lemon? No, I just I brought the two and I had. Oh, them. you brought the see you yeah. you were see that's a forward thinker right there. I like that. Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. I've yeah. you know we you know used to pull him up. It's a it's a two drink minimum, uh, you know, for podcasts. So. Yes, brew fruit. Yep, you got it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, for uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you, as always, for listening. And as always, make sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao. Make it bail.